What is up, everybody, and welcome to today's episode with Andre Shinishiki. Andre is a professional Major League Soccer player with the Colorado Rapids. He just turned 23 last week and was the 2019 MLS Rookie of the Year in his debut professional season. It was really cool to have Andre on the show because I've known him since we were kids. Andre is Brazilian, and he used to come to San Diego and train with my team for a few summers when we were probably about 12 years old. And here's the thing. Andre was never the best player. He was good, but he never struck me as being pro-good. And that's what's so cool about his journey and path to becoming not only a pro, but being the number five overall pick in the MLS draft, breaking records in the process, and making a name for himself. He was not the best, and he's the perfect example of hard work and not giving up on your dreams. So without further ado, I'm excited for you to get a behind-the-scenes look into the mindset and journey of Colorado Rapids' rising star, Andre Chinichi. So what has it been like with all of the coronavirus quarantine? Like, what, How has that affected you and your teammates and, and training? <clears throat> Yeah, well, it, it's affected us in, in a weird way because we can't really be together. We can't really do anything as a team. And, you know, that kind of sucks. And it just hurts the progress of the league, the progress of the team itself, the progress of every individual. And I just think mentally it's also hard because we were coming off of a good start. You know, we went, we put all the work in preseason and everybody's buzzing to get back. And then out of nowhere, you just can't play anymore. So... It's definitely been hard on us, just completely changed every everything and the way we think about things. And at the end of the day, safety is the most important thing. So we are, uh, uh, we know that there's necessary steps that people need to take, but to us, it sucks. Like we don't want to be in this situation and it's just hard not being able to like do what you love the most. Totally. And you guys are still training though, correct? Yeah, we train. We started training, I think, two weeks ago, and it's just like you train by yourself. You have a program, basically. The coach is running you through the session, but you can't really pass the ball to anybody other than like these rebounders we have. It's only like dribbling cones. You can only have three balls. It's like a very strict protocol, so that if somebody on the team contaminates themselves, then they're not contaminating anybody else, even though you you were in the same space as them. Wow. I didn't realize it was that strict. Like I assumed you guys were still having team practices, but no, not at all. No team practices at all. For the most of the quarantine, we didn't have training at all. Like we didn't even go to the stadium to practice and now they're allowing that, but it's like each person has a quadrant and it's just super strict. Wow. And how is that like, so you, do you guys do team bonding at all? Cause I know that's a huge part. Yeah, of we, we did, we did a couple of team bonding events, but that happened mostly through like, preseason and stuff it doesn't really happen in season uh but uh we 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 had a couple ideas in mind of how we could you know bond and and just do things for the whole team to just kind of get together but with the season and all that happened it didn't really come through gotcha and so there's still no sign of when uh the legal like when games will start no there's no sign absolutely zero we have no idea what's going to happen and i we know that the league and the players association is trying to do everything possible for to make that happen but it just right now there's really no not much that we we know what of what's going to happen mm-hmm. and how how is that how what is your mindset right now and like how are you thinking about everything 
I mean, I obviously want to get back to playing. Like, I was super excited with how we were. We started the season with two wins. You know, I think we had a good group of guys, a, a very passionate team, and I was buzzing to get back and play. But I know that at the end of the day, like, the safety of the players and the safety of, honestly, anybody, like, humanity is more important than, than sports. So at the end of the day, I understand that. And as much as it pisses me off that we don't play, like, I have to understand that it's for the greater good. And I know that as soon as we can, that we will return. Totally. So I've been really looking forward to this interview because for those listening who don't know, uh, Andre used to train with my team uh, called Carmel Valley Manchester in San Diego, probably like over 10 years ago. Yeah, it's, like been, that. It's, it's been pretty incredible to watch your journey. And one of the things that I'm really fascinated by, and, and you've talked about this in under, other interviews, is how you were kind of overlooked. Um, you weren't being recruited by some of the, the best colleges and even in college. Um, I know things progressed as you got older um, towards your senior yeah. year. But, but did you always know you wanted to be a pro? Uh, I mean, I think back in the Carmel Valley days, I always dreamed of it being a pro, but like, it was not really like a goal or like an objective. It was more of like an abstract feeling that I just wanted to. And I wasn't really doing what I had to do in order to become that. It was more of just messing around and playing soccer because I thought it was fun. And then I think actually when I got to like my early days of college slash like late days of high school was when I really like made it like a goal and like started to, you know, do everything that I had to do in order to become a professional player. But like you said, like when I was playing with you guys in Manchester Carmel Valley, like I was a little bit overlooked and like wasn't really that good. So, I mean, I understand why I was overlooked, but at the same day, I use, I use that as like a fuel to kind of motivate me even more to, to really prove people wrong. You went to Florida for your final two years of high school, correct? Yes. Was that when you made the decision to go to Florida, was that, I mean, I, I'm guessing that was a decision of, in the direction of wanting to be a, a pro athlete, right? Not really. Like my first year of high school in Florida was more of an experience to really find out about English and living in the United States other than anything else. Like it was not because I wanted to become a professional player. And when I got there and I started to develop like crazy, that's when I really decided to kind of take this to the next level because, you know, a lot of people when they're like 14, 15, there's like that huge jump where they really like either take off and become like really good or they just kind of like plateau or even like stop like developing basically. And that's like with their bodies too, not just their soccer, like they become either stronger or like taller or like faster. So I, I, I mean, that was a really important part of my development. I became really good during that time and got better than, than, than I was before. And I think that that jump was very important for me to, in the future, like have become a professional soccer player. Yeah. And I've noticed that too. It, it's right around that age of like 14, 15, where some of the players when they were younger had these kind of natural abilities and they wouldn't have to work as hard. Yeah. And there's also the reverse where people start stepping into their body and speed. And then with that work ethic, you know, it's to the moon. When, when you got to Colorado, what was it like playing for division one soccer? Yeah, I mean, Division One soccer is like almost just like professional soccer. It's like you, it's a huge commitment. Like you train every single day. Like you put in a lot of hours. You have to do like a bunch of stuff for the team. It's like, it's, I, I would like, I would say it's just like being a professional in the sense that 
you probably commit as many hours when you're a professional as you do when you're a college athlete. So getting to Colorado was like a huge, like I think shock for me because I kind of thought I was going to just get in and kind of just start and be good and just everything was going to fall into place. And it didn't like, I was pretty bad my first year. Uh, although I got the starting job, it was just because people kept getting hurt. Like it wasn't because I really deserved that job. So to me, it was a, it was a big like adjustment to college soccer, but also like I was really happy because I loved Colorado. I thought it was a, a super cool place to live. I loved the school. I loved like my teammates. So th those things falling into place was was what like got me through my first year of like not being so good yeah and what was it like culturally I mean you'd obviously been to the U.S. in years prior yeah. but it was a totally different world for you probably yeah well it was different because when I was in Florida I was with a bunch of Brazilians like all the time like we only spoke Portuguese so my all my friends were basically Brazilian and then when I got here there was no Brazilians at all like I never got to like live with with just Americans for like I mean, I guess in San Diego I did it, but it was for a month. So it was never really that long of a period. And so with here, it was kind of weird because it was the guys were very, very American. Like the culture was very American. Like I think there was only two guys on the team, including me, that weren't from the U.S. So it was just kind of weird just kind of having to adapt to that culture. But I think it, it, it suited me well. And I think that I adapted well without losing like my, my soul, basically, my Brazilian soul. So yeah, those it was it was hard definitely like with some of the things they did that I didn't agree with, but I just kind of had to like work around it and like really embrace that this is what it was gonna be like for the next four years. Yeah, and what was one of like the the toughest transitions for you between Brazilian life and then you know life here, let alone being in college? Because I'm I know some of the things that go down when you're yeah, in sports it's like life. it's just I mean it's just. It's not even like anything like huge that you would think like, oh, like something specific that they do, but it's just like little things and the way they think some things is funny and some things aren't and the way they like approach certain certain things and how it's not as like how, how people think about like soccer here, how like some people just like don't respect the game here as much as they do in Brazil. Because in Brazil, it's like if you play soccer, it's like the best of the best. And here people, like some people don't really care about that. Just like weird things that you like listen, like people say about like, oh, like Brazilians do this and like some prejudices that they have. So those things are all like kind of ingrained in the culture and it's not really some, like one massive thing that they have. It's more of like those little like nuances that kind of happen in a daily basis that sometimes go by unnoticed. And in terms of uh, actually playing the game, what what is the biggest difference you've noticed between the way Brazilians play and, and playing in the U.S.? Uh, it's just so clear that Brazilians care so much more about like technique and flair and like dribbling and like all those things. And Americans like they care about really winning the game, no matter like what happens. And that usually have like it comes through in, in like a physical and tactical way because a lot of Americans don't have the technique that Brazilians have. And so they have to make ups in other ways. And a lot of the times it's like a physic physical thing where they are just super physical. They they tackle a lot, they they get, you know, they get stuck in. They they give their lives in every play and they, they're tactically very aware of the where they have to be, very robotic. And in Brazil it's more of that improv improvisation and basically just like kind of getting the ball somewhere you probably shouldn't be, but you find a way to get out of it because you're good at dribbling. So I think that's like the biggest difference really from soccer here to soccer in brazil as you've 
progressed over the years going from like high school to college and then professional um, outside of training, whether it's like mindset, visualization, meditation, or it could be something else. Are there any uh, different techniques or modalities that you use that have helped you up your game? Yeah. Visualization was huge in college. Like our coach was huge on it. And I think he got everybody to kind of join him on that. Like before every, every game day, we would go on the field before and literally just sit on our spots and just close our eyes and like visualize the game at night. And I think that that really helped because I mean, there's like also studies that prove that if you visualize something enough times when it actually happens, like you're almost more ready for it. You almost like have like a sixth sense of like what you should be doing. And so he was huge on that and he made us do that all the time. And I think it's something I carry on with me all the time. Like, even though with the Rapids, we don't do that. I have my personal thing where I like visualize it and like, I'm always thinking about that. And so off the field, I think that like the brain training part of like soccer is like just as important as like the body training part of it. Yeah. I always get reminded of that scene. And I don't know if you've seen Notorious, the movie on Conor McGregor. I have not. He's like known. He's got it's it's a cool segment in the movie, and he he just like obsessively visualized himself winning the world title back when he was on welfare in Ireland. And like yeah, you said, there's so many cool studies, but it's like you, yeah. you feel it in your body before it happens in real life. Yeah. Your senior year, you broke a record. I think it was like in 20 years, no one had scored as many goals as you did in Division One. It was yeah, like 28. Was it 28 goals? goals? Yeah, 28 goals. Yeah, that is ridiculous. So that was a lot of goals. And and for anyone who's unfamiliar, like that is an insane amount. I mean, obviously, if it's a record that hasn't been broken in 20 years, what what was your mindset like going into that season? I mean, what what was the season like prior for you? And because I'm guessing at this point you're starting to probably get some looks at the MLS, right? Yeah, I knew I really had to blow up my senior season if I wanted to make it to the MLS. Like, I had to do what I did. And it was kind of like my back was, like, against the wall. And, like, I knew, it, I knew I had to do, like, I had to be crazy good that year. And so I just worked so hard, like, in the offseason and did everything right to prep myself for that season. So I knew I was going to be, like, buzzing when the season came. And yeah, man, as a combination of many factors, like the ball would just fall to me. Like I would be ready when the ball came to me. The keepers made a couple of mistakes and those things just add up. And I ended up like breaking the record. And, you know, I broke the like DU record for most goals in a season, for most goals ever, for like all the records in my school, which was sick. And then broke a couple of like NCAA records too for like most goals and stuff. So it was awesome, man. Like it was a dream come true. I think that, it was really sad that we didn't make a run for, for the national championship. And that's something I like still have a lot of sadness and regret from, well, not regret, I guess, because I'm, I know I did everything I could, but more of like sadness that I couldn't really lead the team closer to a national championship. But at the end of the day, I know I did everything I could. And that's what like, that's why I held my health. I held my head high when I left DU last year. Yeah, and I think it's really cool, especially for young kids to watch your journey because you really started to take off like, again, I know we talked about this earlier, but it, it, it wasn't like you were like the number one person yeah. everyone was looking at. As your careers progressed, you've gotten even better and better. And I know you have an insane work ethic. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's been, it's been cool to like watch that happen. And what was the moment like for you when 
you were drafted. I mean, you were the number five pick in the MLS. Like, what was that like? And, and like, give, give a little bit of the breakdown before, like, leading up to it. So, like, what that entire experience is like. I mean, the MLS draft is so sick. Like, the event and the just the organization and just, like, getting your name called. It's just, like, it's just such an amazing experience. Like, honestly, it's, like, it's so sick. Like, you get, like, you have all these teams that have, like, the GMs, like, the assistant coaches sitting on, like, tables, and they're all, like, looking at you. And it's just like this buzzy moment. Everybody like doesn't know where they're going to go. And it's like, it's so much pressure because it's like basically the rest of your life, you're going to be remembered for this moment. And like leading up to it, I really had no idea where I was going to end up. Like I really wanted to go to Colorado, but when people say that like the draft is rigged and everybody knows where they're going to go, that's a lie. Like I didn't know until they actually like announced it. So it was just like an amazing experience leading up to it. I was freaking out. Like I had my parents come to the draft they were like freaking out too it was just like at the hotel like I couldn't sleep the night before it's like everybody is so scared everybody is so anxious it's you can tell why like because there's like the showcase before the draft which is called the combine and people are playing to kind of like see where they're gonna end up and it's like people play so bad because they are so scared of like actually like messing up and it's just like you can see because like how much it matters to get for people to get drafted. And so going up that high on the draft and just like realizing that I had made it, I had to become a professional soccer player was like a sick feeling. Yeah. The video, I think you posted a video on your Instagram and I'm sure it's available online, but your parents with your parents there, I got chills watching it. That's like the dream moment that every aspiring athlete, you know, dreams about. Yeah, I still have chills when I watched that video. My dad was like losing it. My mom was crying. Like it was, it was a sick experience. Like I have, I don't have anything like I wouldn't have wanted any like other way. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. And getting to play in Colorado where you went to school is pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty that, sweet. Yeah. That was sick too. So once you, what's the process? Like you get drafted and then how soon do you start training? So I got drafted, I think it was January 11th and preseason started January 21st. So you have like a month, um, a week or kind of two weeks, basically, I think to kind of like set yourself up. 99% of the people have to move houses, have to move to a different state. I, fortunately, I didn't. I just stayed in the, the house I was living in college for this first six months of playing as a pro. So it was, it was dope. Like, it was honestly, like, so sick. And the timeline worked perfectly for me because I just was able to get everything ready because I didn't have to move. So that was, like, the biggest thing. Yeah. And what was the first day of training like? Were you nervous? I mean, you're playing with guys like Tim Howard. Who yeah, I, 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 was, I was a little bit nervous, but like we had a couple of like unofficial sessions before that like I kind of got to meet the guys and I did well. So the guys kind of like liked me. So, so that was pretty cool. And I mean, the first session, official session, I don't even remember like what we did, but I just remember it because it all like blends in after a while, but I know that I did well because I, that preseason, like I was so ready to go. I was so excited that there was no way I was going to like let that chance get away from me. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing, is there definitely like a vibe of having to earn your stripes? Like you're not only the new guy, but you're one of the young guys. Like, yeah. what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, had to clean a lot of boots, had to, you know, oh, they do make you do that. Stuff. Do, a, do a lot of things, sing in front of everybody. Like those things are just, you have to do them. And yeah, I mean, it was hard, man. We had like a bunch of like sick players, players that are just like, 
league legends. So it was it was hard for me to just come in and just trying to you know not take their spot, but um, but just like earn their respect. And for some guys, I bonded like quicker. Like Benny Felhaber, he played in, in like World Cups for the U.S. and he he speaks Portuguese, so like we got along really well. But there were other guys that like I wasn't as close in the, in the beginning, but then just kind of like earned that respect throughout the year. And that's that's what I try to do every day was just earn their respect. Mm-hmm. And you talked about one moment that was a big learning lesson for you with Tim Howard. Can yeah. you share what that was like? Yeah, I mean, it was just a moment where I really realized that like I had to kind of respect the order of things and and just know what my role for the team was because uh, the story was that we played on the same team one day and I I scored a bunch of goals and I thought I was feeding myself and I kind of started yelling at guys like, let's go. Like, what are you guys doing? Kind of being a little negative and Tim just like pulled me by my collar and was just like, who the F you think you are? Like, you're nobody, like nobody knows you are. You think like you can come in here, do whatever you want. Like, like, no, like you're nothing. You've done nothing for soccer. So just like get your head out of your pant and like, stop, like stop yelling at people. Just start working. Like that's the only way. Like you're gonna be anything. He just kind of went at me like it was. Then that was like not the yeah, tone. That guy gets angry. Like if you. That's not like the on tone TV. that I'm even speaking like now. It's just like so much harder. Like he was yelling crazy. Everybody heard it. And it was it was a crazy moment. But I mean, two months after he went on like extra time, which is like the biggest, I guess, MLS show in the country, and went out of his way to say how much he liked me and how much young players should be like like me. So. You know, he like generally was doing that because he liked me and saw potential, not because he just didn't care about anything. Yeah, it sounds like it was a lesson in humility and he wanted you to teach you to just stay on your feet. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's funny even looking at it. It's like he, he obviously sees the, the spark in you, but he's trying to guide you in the right way, in the right. Yeah, moments. no, it was perfect. He was he was awesome. Like true, true gentleman, like top guy in the locker room. Everybody likes him and. I mean, that's why he's had the career he's had. It speaks for itself, but he is a top guy in the locker room. Really, really, really like inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. Are there any other players, uh, whether in college or professional, that have been either role models to you or have like set an example that you've been kind of under their wing? Uh, a guy that like was a really important person in my life was Courtney Ford. He eventually went up to play for the Rapids as well, but he went to, to college with me for two years. And he was a guy that was almost like me, like had a lot of spark, a lot of wanted to win, just didn't, didn't care what was going to get in his way. And he kind of took me under his wing our, my first two years in college. And then he went on to actually play for the Rapids and we play together now because obviously I play for the Rapids now, but it was sick for for him to just like take me under his wing. And I learned a lot with him, a lot about winning, a lot about just like facing adversity and just not letting that get to you. So he's a guy that definitely like helped me a lot. And then when I was in Colorado, uh, Benny, who was, who eventually ended up getting traded halfway through the year, he made the first six months really worth it for me. Like he taught me a lot of things, was always like t- telling me like, oh, you should do this or you should do that. Don't do this, don't do that. And so those are the guys that you want to have around you. I'm sure there might be a few, but what's been one of the most surprising things for you about being a professional major league soccer player? That's a good question. I don't know about like surprising. Like I feel like I 
I get surprised like every day with when like something new happens. But when I got like recognized on the street like the first time, like I was pretty shocked. I was like just like, oh my god, like like this is crazy. Like this never happens. And it was like right after I got drafted. And so I was just like, damn, like that's like like an actual thing. Like people like like me like that. Like they will ask to take a picture with me or something. So I think that that's that was like I, I knew it like it was like I knew it was gonna happen, but just the fact that when it actually happened, I was so shocked. Like I was so surprised. I had no idea what to even say. So yeah, when people like ask for autographs, it's like still weird for me. Cause I, I just, I don't know. I don't really see myself as like a role model, but I mean, I, I try to do my best to behave like one. Yeah. I mean, it, it just not that long ago that I remember being like obsessed with soccer and, and you're yeah. living the dream for like millions and millions of kids. So that's also going to be pretty badass when you, you start playing FIFA and you see yourself on yeah. Xbox. Yeah, I, I do. I, I've already played with myself in FIFA a bunch of times. Uh, my card is pretty bad on the ultimate team, but we might have to, to get a couple of uh, consumables to put it on myself. So it makes me a little bit better. <laughs> I'm sure as the years go on, your car will go up and up. Yeah, hopefully. So you had, if, if anyone listening, you have to watch, you had one of the most dreamlike debuts in college soccer and it was a snowstorm in Colorado. Can you, what was the score and what period of the game did you enter and what was going through your head? Like you're about to make your professional debut here. Yeah. So this was my debut with the Rapids and it was, I think it was, it was so cold. I don't even know how to say How it. old were you? I was 21 at the time. Gotcha. Uh, so it was my it was my debut. I we were losing three to two. We had we were playing a man down because we got a red card. And at the eighty third minute, I hear my name get called, and Chad's like, Chad is our strength and conditioning coach. He goes, All right, Andre, get ready. Like, take a couple of sprints because you're going in. And we we had been already warm up, but he wanted me to get yeah. a couple. You feel the butterflies when he called your name? Oh yeah, I was freaking out, man. I was just like, Oh my god, like this is my debut. Like this is happening. Like I'm gonna get on the field. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is terrible. I'm not even going to touch the ball. Like, this is going to be the worst debut ever. So, whatever. I get on the field, get a pass in, get two passes in, start to feel myself. Like, we're actually, like, playing pretty well for a team that's a man down. So, it was just kind of, like, weird for me to be that cold and just, like, not think that anything good was going to come out of it. And then we get a counterattack and – I see our my my one of my good friends Dylan Cernak. He gets the ball, shoots it. I just run to the back post because I'm like maybe the keeper is gonna, you know, make a save and it's gonna fall for me. And I did. He hit a perfect shot. The keeper rebounded perfectly into my feet, and I just tapped it in and just like started running, like yelling. It was the ninety, I think ninety third minute. So it was crazy. It was just like. It was actually insane. I, I didn't know. I didn't even know what to think, where to look, how to celebrate. I just like ran to the the bench. The uh, the coaches came out. Everybody started jumping at each other. It was actual crazy, crazy, crazy like moment for me. Yeah, it's insane. And watching it, I literally get chills. It's yeah, like, I've been watching that for like three hundred times already. <laughs> yeah, you can't make that up. Yeah. And so once that happened, like, did you? I mean, it obviously. Like, did you feel a little bit of like, okay, I got a little bit of a chip off my shoulder or what was, did anything shift after that experience? Yeah, I think I just knew that I belonged there, that I wasn't like an outsider anymore. I think that that was very mm -hmm. important, but I also didn't like let it get to my head because I 
knew it was like one goal at the end of the day, as much as like as a crazy goal it was, it was one goal, like, and I wouldn't even win the game. So as much as I like was loving my life at the moment, I knew that I like, it wasn't something that I could just like take it and be like, okay, I'm done here. So I just, you know, I just, I knew that. So I just didn't let it that, like that get to my head. Although I was like stoked and super excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as the season progressed, you scored, correct me if I'm wrong, like six or seven goals, seven, seven goals. And you, you won 2019 rookie of the year, which is yeah. insane. And for all yeah. the MLS. So what was like, as the games are progressing, you're scoring more and more goals. You're getting more and more confident. Um, did, did anything shift in terms of like how you were thinking or how you were training or was it like, what was that like? Yeah, you know, I just I just tried to like stay pretty level headed and like I knew that the only reason I was getting what I was getting was because I was working hard. So this the moment I would I stopped working hard was the moment things were gonna stop happening for me. So I never really get to get to my head. I, would, I just started working even harder and just you know felt more confident. So I could try some things that I, maybe I had I hadn't tried earlier in, in, in other practices just because I would kind of be scared of messing up. So just kind of losing really that fear of not belonging was like the most important thing. And then after I like the goals started happening, I was just like, I need, I need to keep this going. Like just, I can't let this stop. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great uh, analogy for anyone listening for whatever it is in your life. Because I know for me, every time I'm, I'm pursuing a new endeavor or I'm like the weakest uh, you know, least smart or least educated person in the room, you have that feeling of like, I got to earn my stripes here. I got to put in the work. Um, and that's part of the game. But I think exactly what you said, just like keep your head down, focus on the things that you can control, focus on your work ethic and, you know, adapt and shift as you will, but trusting the process because it can be intimidating. And I can imagine, I mean, I remember even when I was playing soccer, when I was playing with guys who were way better than me in ODP, I'd always be like, shit these guys are really good like i gotta up yeah. my game yeah and it's like it's honestly some people when they see people that are better than them they get jealous or they like crumble like to me it was just like i'm gonna work as hard as i can to get better than him so i just really like that's the really like the mental aspect of the game that so many talented players fail to have and the some not so talented that some not so talented players have it and that's what that takes them to the top and what is I'm curious, like, what is an average day and week in the life as a, as a professional athlete? Like, b- before coronavirus, like, what was it Yeah, like? we, we usually train in the morning, so around, like, 9, and then we have to get there by 8, and then probably do training. Sometimes we lift, and then sometimes we have, like, film or, ther- or physiotherapy or, like, uh, media stuff. So, usually I would say it goes from, like, 9 to 2 is what I would say is the – time that I have to be there at the stadium, nine to one sometimes, depending on the likes. If you have too much media shit, or sorry, so much media stuff. You, like, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, like <laughs> nine to three or whatever. So yeah, it's just like uh, nine to three, basically. I would say nine to two every day. Probably have to get there a little bit early, like eight or, or so. And then after that, really, it really depends on what you want to do with your day. Like some guys go ahead and do some extra stuff for recovery depending on the day of the week and then some guys just don't do anything some guys like to like i don't know do yoga at night i know like for example tim like to do some cycling in the night so like each person has kind of their own their own thing and then usually uh the games we play are on saturday so 
if it's an away game, we usually fly out there Thursday or Friday. If it's a long flight, probably Thursday. If it's a short flight, probably Friday. And if it's a home game, really, you don't really have to do anything. We just, you just go to bed normally Friday, wake up, and you have to show up to play the game on Saturday at 5 o'clock. So you show up at 5, games around 7. So that's basically how the routine goes for, for us. It's nothing like out of the ordinary, really. It's just like an everyday grind. Mm-hmm. And do you do anything – do you have like a routine that you're doing after practice or is it a mix? Like what do you do in your off time? For me, I like to get massages after games, like the day after a game or two days after a game. Uh, but, but, but each guy has their own routine. For me, I, you know, I, I usually get, get to the stadium a little bit earlier than, than some people because I know I have to take care of my hips. Otherwise, they get messed up. So I go in, I do some PRI work. I do some uh, manual work. So I'm ready to play, ready to practice without feeling any pain. But, but it depends. Each person has their own thing. And has there been anyone you've played against that has blown your mind? Like, has there been anyone? And it's one thing to watch, but when you're on the field, like, has there been any players that you've noticed that seem to be like a head and shoulders above everyone else? Yeah, when we played Carlos Vela this year, I mean, he came from Europe as a very successful player. He was really, really insane. But to me, it's not even about like the player itself. It's more about like the system and the team and how the player fits in the system so well. Because that's really the only way a player is going to be successful and and really like take over a game is because if the system kind of works for him and the LAFC system works perfect for him and he's a boss and just does everything so well. So, yeah, he, he, he like when we played them at their place in the last game of the season, he really took over and, you know, did some some things that I've never seen. Wow. And. I know you're close with your family. How has it been? How has your relationship been with your family since all this has transpired and even just moving away from your home country? I mean, yeah, it's weird not being able to see them. It's This is probably the longest I've gone without seeing my mom and my dad. It's been like six months almost. So uh, it's super hard. I mean, we tried it. We were very close family. So they are always visiting me. So, I mean, I feel like the most I've ever gone without seeing my mom is like three months ever. Now it's already been like six months since I haven't seen her. So it's just like, I miss them a lot, but at the same time, like I know that that was a sacrifice that I had to do to, to, you know, really achieve my dream. So it feels, it sucks sometimes, you know, to just be by myself in a, in, in, in a, in a country where I don't have any family, but like at the same time, I know they're here for me and, and that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. I think that's what this quarantine is showing. I know a lot of people is, when you're not able to have certain things or people or experiences, it definitely makes you value and appreciate uh, the things in your life that maybe you of course did before, but it even when you don't have it, it makes it even that much more apparent. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's just like the little things and the things that you sometimes take for granted, really that like you see how much like they actually like matter to you. Mm-hmm. And I know you had a cool story. I know your father was a big fan of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah. one of the biggest icons in soccer what was that like or can you can you tell the story real quick i thought it was pretty cool of how you got his jersey yeah yeah i got i got his jersey it was a game we played against them here at home uh we won to one and like i won player of the match and i was like super happy and then i just like ran over to him and i was just like 
hey, can I have your jersey? But, like, in between that, there's, like, guys, in, like, people invading the pitch, and there's, like, people slipping, and, like, he's kind of dodging them. And I'm just kind of behind, like, trying to get the jersey. So I didn't even know that, like, it was, that was the video was going to go viral or anything. But my dad had asked me to do it the day before, so I was just like, I have to do it. And he was super nice, said he would give me this jersey inside. And I was just like, come on, like, please, like, let me sure it gives to me. And then my the kit man for our team came with the jersey, and I was, like, so happy. I was literally buzzing. And then, yeah, I was given an interview after the game, and he, like, even stopped and said, like, hey, congrats, good game. Uh, did you get the jerseys, everything good? And I was like, yeah, man, like, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So he's a top guy. And I know that a lot of people see him as this, like, arrogant, cocky, like, doesn't really care type of person. But that's not, like, what I experienced at all. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a cool video. It's funny. And I like how you, I like what you shared about the experience, which is exactly what you just shared. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the video is hilarious, but, like, the, the message – that I got from the moments like so much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And I, one question I had for you is, I don't even know if you're aware of this or if it's like a natural sixth sense that you have from playing for so many years. But if you watch your highlight tape and especially there's that really cool recap of you um, as rookie of the year. So I'll link that here so yeah, you can yeah. watch it. It's a quick video. You have this ability to, it's like the strikers. It's like a poacher's sixth sense. You are always in the right place. And like, and I've heard you say it a few times over the interview where, oh, I just thought the goalie might pat it or it might be rebounded. But after playing for years myself, I know that's huge. A huge part of that is you putting yourself in the right place. Is that something that you're even conscious of? Or is it almost like it's just a sixth sense for you? I think it's it's a sixth sense. I don't really think about those things. It's just like I see something. I'm like, oh, I think the ball is going to go there. And sometimes it does. So it's like not something I've learned by like watching soccer, really not something that I've like somebody stopped me. It's just something that I've had. It's just like a feel that oh, the keepers like this is happening here. Like this probably is probably going to go there. And I think some of it comes from like watching soccer, but it's not really like a thing that I've like studied about or anything. It's just like usually at the right place at the right time. And yeah, maybe it's a little bit of luck. Maybe like it's a little bit of skill, but it's something I have and I am very, very grateful to have because it definitely a big part of my game. Yeah, it's cool. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by these nuances where it's not an, it's almost hard to teach that. Of course you can improve on it, but it seems like you just have this yeah. natural thing in your brain of knowing where to be. And the yeah, more you watch. Like, it, so many people have it for so many different things. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. some people it's for like musical instruments. Like they see it, like, a, like they see a guitar and they just like, know how to play it's like insane so it's just like for me it's like scoring goals it comes naturally and i hope that it never stops because i really need them yeah yeah well it doesn't look like it will be stopping at all <laughs> and in terms of like um, nerves and calming your mind do you do you play any instruments or do you have any other practices that you do to kind of just get grounded and and calm before games i, mean, I used to play the guitar a lot when i was young but i kind of gave up on that just kind of, I don't know, lost a little bit of interest. And I don't really have anything specific that I do to, like, calm my mind. I just – I like going out with my friends a lot. I think that that helps me just get my focus away from soccer. And so I think doing that is, is, what, is what, like, I think is therapeutic for me. Like, it's what helps me get my mind off of bad things and sometimes off of soccer, which is what you need. So definitely hanging out with my friends and, and my family – 
it's like the, the best things for me to just like get my mind away from things. That's cool. I'm always fascinated because I don't know if you're familiar with Bodie Miller. He's like the Olympic gold medal skier and he was kind of notorious. He would go out and like party before his huge events, but, and, and I'm like the type of personality where I'm like the complete opposite. If I had like a speech or a game, I am like super quiet and dialed and focused. But I think it's like to what you said, it's finding that balance where you can relax. And for some people that might be staying alone for you, it sounds like being with friends and family is something that taking your mind off the game is actually a good thing yeah, no, for you to excel. I agree with you. It's the balance is the most important thing. Like I don't go out the day before the game. Like it just doesn't help me to do that. I go out probably the day after the game or we like have a day off or something. Like those days are when I choose to like do, do the things that help like me just, just, you know, play better. So I do the thing. There's a physical part of the game too. Like you can't just like be out not sleeping until 5 a.m. the day before the game. Like that's probably going to hurt you. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just like when I can be with my friends and go to sleep late in a day that like we have the next day off, then that, that helped me. And, and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And before I ask the final question, where can people find you online? Uh, I have my Instagram where it's like my most used probably social media. It's Andre Bava 99. Uh, most things about me are there. I have a Facebook. It's Andre Shinyashiki. Not Don't use it as much, but definitely Instagram. Ah, Twitter as well. I've actually started using my Twitter a little bit more lately. It's a Shinyashiki nine. So yeah, if you usually just type Andre Shinyashiki in any platform, you'll be able to find me. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link all that in the show notes so anyone can find you. And your Instagram is awesome. I love, I love following the journey. You always post the videos and clips and highlight reels. So it's really cool. You feel like yeah, there's my, the Instagram is like my, best, my best social media is you can find the most about like my story and stuff. Totally. And you're 22 years old, right? Yeah. When are you, when's your birthday? June 11th. June. Cool. So you're almost, you're almost 23. Yeah. What are you, what are you most excited about during this, this next phase? I know it's a little weird with uh, the yeah. coronavirus, but what are, what are you most looking forward to in this next chapter? Well, to me, it's just like continuing to have a good career and impacting people and just like being able to help people through being a soccer player. I think that it would like being as being a professional athlete, it comes like great responsibility and to me, I just try to do everything I can to help people really like, like I'm doing like podcasts and trying to share my story and trying to tell people that it is possible to like really get to where you want to be. And to me, it's just using soccer as my way of, of helping people and bringing joy to the world. And if that's in America, good. If that's in Europe, that's good too. If that's in Brazil, that's good. So just impacting people is huge for me. Amazing. And you're definitely doing that. And I can say firsthand as a testimony to watching your journey and showing like with this underdog story of being overlooked, but you kept working hard and, you know, earned the spot you're at. And I'm really looking forward to following the rest of your journey. And I know everyone else here listening is too. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate what you're doing. And it's just, it's just a, a blessing for me to, you know, be able to share my story with a friend. Because, I mean, we've met each other when we were basically kids. So it's just cool to, to, you know, see my friends doing great things as well. Yeah, thank you, man. It is pretty cool. We'll have to send this to Jeff, our, our coach. Yes, Back of in course. the day, he'll probably get a kick out of it. Yeah, of course. we got to send it to Jeff. Send it to all the, the boys from uh, Carmel Valley. Awesome, man.
Well, cool. Thank you so much, Andre. And we'll be in touch with you. I appreciate it, Jake. Have a good one, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with MLS soccer player Andre Shinyashiki. It was a really cool one for me. Like I said, we've been friends since childhood, and to catch up with him and see where his journey's taken him is pretty cool. And if you haven't yet, check out that four-minute video. It's linked in my show notes. Um, it's just pretty cool to watch the highlights and put to mind the visuals of what we were talking about in this episode. So again, thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this one, and until next week.